Welcome to Podability, a podcast for parents and families of disabled children, brought to you by Variety, the children's charity. I'm your host, Dan White. Shopping, playground visits, cinema trips, theme park rides and other days out are a really important part of all children's lives. Getting out and about provides children with rich experiences that are important for their learning and development. But for many disabled children, getting into places and joining in the fun can be difficult or really uncomfortable. The kind of exclusion and obstacles children with disabilities experience include blocked aisles, a lack of wheelchair ramps, buildings without lifts, inaccessible toilets and no step-free access. Meanwhile, for learning disabled children or those with ASD, Many retail environments or entertainment venues can be a sensory minefield. In this episode, we explore what parents, families and carers of disabled children can do to ensure their child has the same kind of access to fun activities and shopping experiences as any child. Joining me here is a brilliant actress, campaigner and columnist, Samantha Renk. Samantha is also the founder of Don't Want Our Cash, a website designed to highlight issues around access to shops and more across the country. Samantha is also the pilot of one of the most glitzy wheelchairs I've ever seen. Also joining me is Simon Blewett, a disability access officer who works with businesses to make sure accessible, inclusive design is at the top of their agenda. He is also a dad to Daisy, 13, who has autism and is homeschooled. Well, I'd like to kick off with some stats from a rather shocking report published recently by Scope, the disability charity. And although they are festive-themed, They highlight the appalling accessibility issues families of disabled children often struggle with. For instance, they found that 43% of disabled children have been turned away from a Christmas activity and almost one-fifth, that's 18%, had not been able to access a toy store. And as a parent to a wheelchair user myself, I have first-hand experience of how this theme carries through the year with venues that claim to be disability-friendly still being, as I call, access-problematic. So, Simon, are you surprised by those statistics I've just mentioned? Uh, Unfortunately, no. Um, And it's heartbreaking. Older buildings can prove problematic when it comes to physical access, but there's always something that businesses um, and organisations can do. There's no excuse for uh, new builds. Uh, The fact is that all service providers need to be doing something and can with just a little thought, and not just because they're supposed to. Um, Even if you're a, a rubbish human being that doesn't care, it makes sense from a business perspective to make your goods and services accessible. Um, There's numerous quick fixes. So can an older shop accommodate a portable ramp if there's no level access? Um, Can you offer your services in a different way? Maybe a personal shopper or something like that. Uh, Does the shop and grotto have a quiet hour or a sensory space? Um, At this time of year, grottos are generally bespoke and demountable. So so should really be designed to accommodate wheelchairs and scooters, etc., Aisles kept clear of obstructions, um, signage and clear information. Um, and, and I think disability equality training as part of staff inductions is, is massive as well. So people understand the social model yeah. and, and buy into it. But it's not just Christmas, though. Um, how many parks do you see that don't have accessible play equipment? Um, as a whole, there needs to be a more holistic approach to disability and accessibility and a, and a step away from the one size fits all approach so prevalent. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail precisely right on the head there. I can see why you're a disability access officer when that just easily fell off the tongue with all those brilliant points you had. But like I said, for any child not being able to access a toy store, that that is toy store that is absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, are the parents within their rights to challenge said store? 
on their access? Uh, yeah, under the Equality Act 2010, you can you can take service providers to task. Um, unfortunately, the onus is on the individual. So, so that's gotcha. Okay, so it's down to the individual. So yeah, store store manager or brand themselves. With, with the onus is on the individual, the complainant to take it forward. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so as, say as, for example, a local authority. Their, their access officer can advise a business and say, look, don't do that. You can write to them or whatever. But that's, that's an, ad, an advisory thing. Gotcha. Rather than a, an enforceable kind of thing. Okay, no, fair enough. No, that, that really good points. Thanks for that. I mean, personally, from my own experience with cinema trips and theme park visits with, with my daughter, Emily, who um, also uses a wheelchair, these range from the good to the awful. And in the case of cinemas, in some instances, she has to sit right down the front of the cinema, craning her neck to look at the screen. And often she has a, to sit on her own, as there's very few, if at all, carer seats for us to sit next to her. But there are also countless heartbreaking stories of disabled children being able to get into, not being able to get into theme parks, should I say, and, and also not being able to get on the rides once they're inside. I mean, Samantha, do you, how much thought do you think the designers of these places, toy stores, cinemas, playgrounds and the like, give to the 1.1 million disabled children in the UK. Do you actually think they think about this when they implement these designs? Uh, clearly not. And I, I, I often joke that the amount of accessible bathrooms I've gone into, and I think, who on earth has designed this? <laughs> clearly no one with an impairment. Yes. Because you get in there, you can't put your handbag somewhere because the hook is too high. I like to do my lipstick when I get into the bathroom. Can't even see the mirror. Granted, I am four foot nine. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a, I'm a petite lady. Um, but, but no, I, I think what springs to mind is that they say, you know, nothing for us without us. And, you know, discrimination isn't inevitable. But the disabled community, which, you know, uh, just compile of, of almost 14 million people, you know, we need to be at the heart of design. We need to be the decision makers, we need to be, you know, um, consulted at every step. Um, as a consumer, you know, um, the disability community is worth £249 million. And the, the reason why I set up Don't Want Our Cash was because I was repeatedly, you know, as a self-confessed fashionista who spends way too much money on on clothes, um, I now spend way too much money on my kitten, but that's another story. Well, everyone's got to have a hobby, haven't they? Everyone's got to have a hobby. Good hobbies to have. Um, but I was repeatedly found that, you know, I couldn't access shops, I couldn't access um, facilities. So why on earth would I spend my hard-earned cash if I can't access your stores? And that goes... You know, it's not just physical barriers, you know, uh, such as not have, uh, having step-free access or lower counters, but actually staff mentality. I've done a lot of work on microaggressions at the, you know, recently in, in in writing that I do for the Metro, and I've noticed this more and more as I've, I've as I've actually gotten older. Maybe as I was younger, um, I didn't really pick up on these microaggressions, but microaggressions within stores. I have a PA. A personal assistant. Um, I have her for fifteen hours a, a week um, through direct payments, and you know she is an absolute as asset. She ensures that my independence uh, is 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 maintained, and I and I can you know kind of live my life to the to to the fullest. Um, but the amount of store clerks that will talk directly to my PA rather than me, even even when I have specifically ask them a question, you know? Um, and I think 
little little courtesies like that actually go a, go a long way rather or more so than maybe having an accessible changing room because let's face it if they if we don't have an accessible changing room it's a bit of a pain but you can take that that home and try it on um but actually being patronized yes and being yes. spoken to like a child yes. or being spoken to like you are less intelligent is for me more humiliating more demeaning and um you know more discriminatory than physical barriers you know um it's quite sad uh, you know christmas we are we're pushed into this ideology that we all have to be happy and we all, you know, have to be busy and we, you know, there's so much going on. I live in central London. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a buzz of, of excitement and, and there's lots of things going on. I've, I've actually not been invited to one Christmas event and I honestly believe that is because of access and people book these Christmas events not taking me into consideration and let's face it, if you've got an office party, you're not going to change it just for one wheelchair user, are you? I know, but I, I, lo I love the concept of office parties. I saw a great thing this morning. An office party is a really great excuse to spend time with people you haven't seen for 20 minutes. Exactly. I just, I just sort of dropped there because I thought it was ironic, ironically funny. But I love what you said about people not talking to you. As a parent carer mm. myself, I find that people will, even though Emily's there with her card after we've managed to squeeze her way into these shops, mm. they're still talking to me where Emily is quite a vocal person and they, they direct your questions to you, but then Emily's there with a the card, wanted to spend the money and she is vocal. Like all mm. our children are vocal regardless of their communication skills. So yeah, I like this little micro, micro aggressive thing that you're talking about. But do you remember your parents taking you to cinemas and, and shops or theme parks when you were younger, Sam? Did you remember any, I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not going back that far because you're still gosh. quite young. But do you remember? <laughs> do you remember any instances you of, of know, that? You it, know, it, so I had a very... Bring, I lost my father suddenly when I was 10 years old. My father, he took a big burden on his shoulders when I was born with a disability. My sister is non-disabled. And I think um, that, you know, he, he, he just... He felt like he was responsible for that. And that really was echoed on what I could do and where I could go. I've got osteogenesis imperfecta, so I break my bones very easily. So whereas my sister would go ice skating, I couldn't go. So I got overcompensated by, you know, uh, an extra Barbie doll. Um, but I definitely don't remember doing much as a child. And um, that's, that's kind of really made me who I am today in the respect of I'm a very creative person. I used to write my own books and illustrate them. And, you know, I had like a a whole doll world set up in my bedroom because I couldn't go out um, and do the things my sister was able to do. So it has made me quite a, um, um, an interesting individual. But actually, no, I don't really remember doing all the fun, all the fun things that my friends did growing up. Yeah. And that's kind of extended to even now. I've recently been gifted a fantastic um, uh, power chair that cost almost £10,000 from the Brittle Bone Society, who I was once a trustee. Um, and that was for me just to maintain my independence once again. And in my, in my area, I tried to go out shopping, do a bit of Christmas shopping just yesterday. And there were so many obstacles that stopped me from, from doing that from poor maintenance of pavements, um, lack of drop curbs, 
um, people not having the time to stop and, you know, say, actually, she's a wheelchair user, let's not bump into her, or if she's been a little bit slower trying to get down that drop curb, uh, because I'm actually trying not to run over their feet, yes. I'm being the courteous one, but they just bump, bump, barred past me because they're in a hurry and I think that goes with city life um, to physically getting into to shops um, I mean I've noticed when Christmas time comes about shops just want to really get cram as much all the aisles I yes, call it yes, tat, yes. tat into their stores yes, uh, yeah, quality and, tat, you yeah. know and I've, I've taken to just ploughing into barrels of um, Christmas paper because they put them next to the tills and it leaves, I mean, it leaves about a two-foot radius. I mean, it's problematic for, for for anyone, never mind if you're, you know, a wheelchair user or if you have a visual impairment or if you have any any form of impairment that means that navigating um, is, is problematic. So, um, again, that's why I set up don't want this cat, don't, don't want our cash. And I encourage uh, people within the disability community. Well, parents and carers, and yeah. well, basically anyone. Basically anyone who, 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 you know, um, feels strongly about the injustices uh, disabled people face on a daily, a daily, uh, well, a daily, day to day. But I want them to, to, people to take pictures of inaccessible stores or things like having too much tat near the checkout so you can't get through easily and just upload it onto Twitter and put the hashtag don't want our cash. It's not about shaming people. It's about saying you need to do better. And as Simon rightly said, we do have the Equality Act. Now, I think that where we've gone wrong with the Equality Act, it used to be the DDA, Disability Discrimination Act. And that's when it was specifically centred on the disability community, which was fantastic. Then 2010 came along and we kind of all got mushed together with the Equality Act. On the one hand, that's a positive because you are now recognised as every other minority group, which is like a big triumphant. Yes. Like we are we are equal to everyone. Yes. But then actually I think that we've also been diluted because we've been mixed with everyone. And when so you, you have... think the voice... Of the parent carer or the disabled person or yes. the disabled child is is being watered so, down and lost I, I within do believe, that mix. I do believe so because you what my needs are very different to someone of a, an ethnic minority yeah. or from Obviously, the LGBTQ yes. community. Yeah. My needs or your daughter's needs would be very very different. You know, same as your daughter's needs. And I think when you have the word reasonable adjustment, that is a word that that has ambiguity. It is a grey area and it can be abused. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I, mean, I think that's absolutely perfect and succinctly put. I mean, I mean, we're, me and Simon are both parents, as you said, to children with, with differing disabilities. But Simon, we're, um, what are Daisy's experience been of, of leisure and shopping with with sensory issues, with with light and music and stuff like that? I mean, obviously, she must find it really hard to to navigate these places. Not, I mean, around all year, cause shops are just loud and bright and so forth. Okay, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a movable feast, really, with Daisy, but she doesn't generally struggle with noise or lights, but queuing and being jostled in a busy environment yeah. can um, can prove problematic. She she struggles with anxiety, um, but as long as we're close by, she can generally cope pretty well. Um, but this is where things like quiet hours can be helpful, beyond the lighting and the music, etc. I mean, for us, the, it's usually the journey to the shops that's more of an issue because she struggles on buses or trains or whatever. So if we if we can't go in a car, that becomes an issue. But 
Yeah, yes, that, that, that's the problem with the human race, and it's predominantly that, that we're all too many individuals, we're all too noisy, we're all too shouting, and yeah. we don't always get other people when we're out and about, especially in a capital city like London. But yeah, at Variety, we provide free day trips for children from SEND schools through our Great Days Out program. And as a result, we're often asked for our top tips to take the worry out of family days out. And the ones we tend to recommend are, and I hope my Simon, I'd like to get your viewpoint on a see if you agree, is um, take a copy of a DLA or carer's allowance letter as proof of your child's disability when you go into a theme park or cinema because you always seem to get... Uh, it's interesting how you always seem to get asked for proof, even though Emily is in a wheelchair and Sam's in a wheelchair. I just seem to want official written-down proof. Also, um, what we find is, uh, and what Variety recommends, is because there's a lack of accessible toilets, uh, keep a camp bed in the car for use. I know it sounds quite archaic, but even I have found that really useful when I'm taking Emily out and about. Also, um, use the map on the Changing Places website because that's a phenomenal, phenomenal, great thing to go on there and it will tell you exactly where a Changing Places is in ratio to where you're actually visiting. I mean, and if it is feasible, not always feasible to do this, but carry a fold-up ramp with you in case a venue's version of accessibility is obviously different to yours, as Sam, you're probably aware of, and Simon, you're probably aware of, someone's view of accessibility is not <laughs> really what your viewpoint is as the parent oh carer yeah, or, or as the individual. <laughs> and also get yourself an up-to-date copy of the Rough Guide to Accessible Britain. I mean, these are our top tips, but Simon, do you have any other recommendations for parents who are, who are thinking of, I hate to use the word planning for a day out, because no one should plan for a day out. It should be instantaneous, regardless of being a disabled family. Well, we do member. live in yeah. Britain and oh, it yeah, always yeah. rains, so <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are all constantly planning, aren't we? Yeah, really? we're all constantly planning. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I digress, absolutely right. But yeah, Simon, can you think of any other tips that parents would sadly have to take on board when they think, yeah, let's go out for a day trip, but we need to do this, this and this? Yes, yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, you can use websites like Accessable, things like that, but they, they only cover certain venues, like predominant venues. But um, I mean, you would hope that... that organisations and, and theme parks or, or whatever would have uh, suitable access information on their on their websites, uh, and if not, they, they need to. Um, yeah, I've, I've noticed out on a few theme theme parks that we've seen, and it's literally because of having to phone up to make sure that they have access, and then the worry is when you get there, like I said, because we've, Variety have drawn up this really handy list of things, you get there and you find that there are steps when they said it's wheelchair access. It's so multifaceted and yeah, complicated. Yeah. It can be a, such a perpetual headache. Well, I think what gets me is the actual attitude towards that. The amount of the amount of auditions that I've gone on as an actor and I've called ahead or my agents called ahead and we've asked, is it accessible? And they'll say, oh, yeah, totally accessible. They've just got one step, one step. Oh yeah, one step, one step, just one. And I'm like, well, what does that? What, what do you think that means? It's a tiny I can't step. walk. It's a, it's a mouse step. It's an ant step. Yes. You know? Uh, do you want me to fly? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to take a run up with so it? So infuriating. Um, but I think I think you're completely right. All the suggestions that you've said is great, and and the the card is, is fantastic. Also, a CEA card um, that uh, gets a carer free into a cinema, which is about five pound fifty. A year, yes, um, it, which is all really great. I think with toileting, because I struggle with toileting, particularly if I've got a fracture, um, I I I carry a shiwi around with me. Uh, it was designed for going to festivals, but you can get them, and they are very discreet. I was about to um, say, are, are they are they are they quite compact? So yes, so, they're so very say compact. someone like me, yes, with, with Emily's change bag or any other parent, yeah, would be able to literally uh, uh, put it in your handbag, and you can actually have. 
So you can either use it uh, when you're sat in your chair and then it would drain into the bathroom, the, the, the toilet. Yeah. Or you can, if you don't even have that facility, you can actually just attach a catheter bag to it, which is fantastic. So I, uh, when I fly, um, I can't fly my own so because I can't get to the bathroom. So legally, a disabled person can't fly on their own because bathrooms aren't accessible. But that's another story. Um, so normally what I do is I, I, I take my... Take my shiwi because I can't get into the to the bathroom. So and they're they are they're that discreet, you know. Um, it's it's ideal. It's better if you're a girl because you just wear a skirt, uh, a long skirt, and that hides a multiple of, of <laughs> sins. Um, but you not know, long enough that gets caught in the wheelchair. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I've got to do my own self plug. I do have you know a handbag range out, which has got a secret little compartment in there, so you can hide your little. Particularly like Emily's getting to a teenager now, you know, you don't want things like no, shiwis because you know what it's like. Sometimes yes. you ask someone to help get something out of your bag, and by accident they've grabbed your shiwi and they pull this out in yeah. you know in the middle of a uh, Costa Cafe, and it's like, please put it back, please put it back. Don't I don't want to tell you what that is. Is this your thermos flask? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, exactly. it's most definitely not. Um, yes. So yeah, there's lots of little little tips and tricks that you can you can do, and I, I think uh, Barclays they do a really good uh, wristband so that you can actually instead of having to use your your card. I know a lot of people with de- dexterity issues, so there are little bands, and you can put money on it so that you, if you go, so if Emily wanted to go and get a, a drink, she could go up and she could tap the ba- the band on and pay for some money so that you're not having to fiddle around with, with cards, which I think is a great thing for children because not only can you, as a parent, put a, 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 an amount on there, but it gives them that autonomy. It gives them that independence. independence. Go yeah, up yeah, to yeah. a counter and, and you know, just tap tap in with their, with their bracelet, which I think is fantastic. No, I think you're absolutely right because what retailers and people of all these things fail to realise is that... that uh, even though Emily's, thir- no, Emily's 13 and she does want to go without me to the cinema with her friends yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it, it, if people don't have disability training, obviously they're going to be shocked. But that gives her that independence mm. with those two things you mentioned. Because I must admit, I've, I've been in this community now for 13 years and I haven't heard of them. And the great thing about it is people like you and Simon going on giving information to people listening and myself who just weren't aware of this. Yeah. That's why things and podcasts like this is, are just so it absolutely imperative. But Simon, you were talking about legislation and, and stuff like that previously. To what extent are retail and leisure businesses adhering to these pieces of legislation? I mean, are, are they doing it to the law? Is the law a bit too flexible? Does it come down to common sense? What, what, what are your thoughts on that one? I think that the one of the issues is is the use of the word say reasonable adjustments ah, yes that because that, phrase, that, yes that that's that comes down to i mean what people what, what i consider reasonable is probably different to what you consider reasonable and, and what sam considers yes so it's it's all uh subjective yes yeah yeah, yeah. so um so yeah what what is reasonable so you know are you a small business is it is it fair for a small business for example to, to go in and say, right, we want you to put a sixty thousand pound lift in that's gonna that's gonna ruin them. Do you know what I mean? It's this, but you know, that doesn't help. That doesn't help Sam. No. You know, and it doesn't. It's yeah. it's, it's it's tricky. It's a minefield. Exactly. It's a minefield. It, it is a minefield, but I think that you can't then excuse that. So if you are a small retailer and you could say that putting in a lift or putting in an accessible bathroom would be financially um impossible or it would be in deficit you know f- from that 
okay, that's fine. I don't need to go to your shop, but is your website accessible? Yes, absolutely. Does it have alt text? Yes. You know, so you can you can say I can't physically change my building, but I can offer you a reasonable yes. alternative. Absolutely. And yes. I think this is where people are not uh, abiding by the law. They go, nope, sorry, can't no, can't do that. I've got a listed building. No, nope, it costs me too much yes. money. Can't, can't, can't. But then they're actually not meeting the minimum reasonable adjustment. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a misconception that, that everything costs money. So I did an access audit at a, um, at a farm shop a couple of months ago and that they were really receptive and, and they, you know, that they hadn't given it a great deal of thought. They were out in the sticks, but they, they were near um, Adderbrook's Hospital. I, I love the fact that, 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 that we're in London. You're definitely a Londoner when you say out in the sticks. Oh, do we say that up north I, I, as well? I, lo I love that. Out, 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 in, out, out in the sticks. sticks. I, I took my passport <laughs> with me. Um, <laughs> did, did they pay you in sheep? It was trees. Did they pay you in sheep? Now, now, let's not generalise. I'm not generalising. I'm from Hampshire. I've been called a bumpkin. But, but they, they had, um, say, can cancer patients that they arrived in minibuses yes. from Addenbrooks, which is was just a couple of miles up the road. And I, and I said, if you put a change in places in or something like that, do you know what I mean? You, you're you're going to enhance their experience. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and you know, you, you get there's probably a lot of people that don't come to this shop because you don't have an accessible toilet mm. or you, you you know you you do need to go up some steps to get into this or that the other yeah it's that whole speculate to accumulate thing that always comes up in business isn't it because you, you were talking about the purple pound can you mm. remind us again what the, the, the purple pound yeah, is so and how much it is in total the purple pound don't ask me why it's called purple it just is I've no idea it's a bit like the pink pound um yeah. but purple pound is the collective um spending power of the disability community worth around 249 billion pounds and again it goes back to when i deliver a lot of training you know to to a, a number of different organizations and companies um the, the attitude is you know disabled people live on benefits how have they got this spending power which again is far from the truth and it's a very absolutely negative yeah. stereotype that we need to work on um but but it's 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 just recognizing that why you know i do have money to burn and I'm not gonna burn it if you aren't going to meet my meet my access needs. But I think I talk to a lot of um, um, I work for Transport for All, and a lot of their um, I work with people that provide a, a, a service as in transport service. And um, you know, without naming names, you know, they a lot of the attitude is well, you know, if I've got to wait a little bit extra to help someone with an impairment get into my vehicle or on the bus then you know i might be able to make money somewhere else but it's this whole mentality of but you might not because yeah. you might go another hour without not getting anyone else using your service well, yeah. you know so not only is it morally you're just doing a good deed but actually we are paying customers you're not taking us out of the goodness of of your of your heart, you're, you're you know? absolutely right, and our, and our children are going to be they're growing up seeing these uh, these issues of inaccessibility mm. and stuff like that. And obviously, as they grow, they're going to be a bit more hesitant about where they spend their money. That's why I, I, I was bringing up about the purple pound and uh, the, the speculate to accumulate. Because as Simon was suggesting to these places to fit a change in place or or, or lifts and stuff like that, and they say no, not we're going to do it. But then you have to remind them about the pool of customer that they're going to get. So it's that whole speculate to accumulate. It's like the old adage, if you build it, we will come. Mm. And it's true because if, if the community finds out whether they want to take their children here or wherever, if they find out that this company get it, they've invested, 
they will see the return on that money through the footfall, or in your case, willful. Mm. Is that a sentence? Willful? Mm. Willful? So it's not willful. But they will see that money come back in because they've had the, the, the nuance to... to put this stuff in place of course and you know i can't get on public transport so i'm not spending my money there so i always have to go for um vehicles that are accessible now i you know i'm self-employed i did my tax return quite easily and i nearly fell out my wheelchair when i saw how much i'd spent on um um ta- taxis yeah because you know that's the only way i need to go so actually you know people should value the fact that we will be coming back because we have no we've got limited alternatives so when we find something that works for us you know and as your children maybe go to university or or yeah. you know start to, to venture out into the real world when we find something that we you know doesn't um give us anxiety um or, or gives us like a door-to-door service or accommodates our needs we will return 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 and you can't say that for any other consumer because other consumers are very fickle you know, we'll go for the cheapest deal, but we don't actually have that choice no. as someone with a disability or an impairment. You know, uh, we're quite limited, so we are we are really good, uh, you know, customers or uh, to to kind of get on board. Exactly, and we all need to consume. We all need to buy stuff, don't we? I mean, um, and like we all agree that not all disabled children in wheelchair units, and difference between Daisy and Emily, for instance. I mean, Simon, is is it practically possible for all retail? and leisure places to cater for all disabilities, including visual impairment, autism, wheelchairs. Do you, th- do you think it's doable for a business or a brand to be all-encompassing, or do you think it will just be something they can just do, not completely do? I think that that's definitely a, it's an aspiration, isn't it? I think, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, again, it's, 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 you, you can have limitations regarding your building, your, your whatever, um, but... Like Sam said, you, you need to be doing something. Yeah. You need to be doing something to, to you know, to engage. To engage yeah. yeah. Because, because, you know, again, this misconception about it costs money. Oh, I can't do that because it's going to cost me. But say uh, a, a large print menu in a cafe. You know I mean, you can do that yourself. Of course. Cost yeah, of printer ink. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can print your own signage. Yes. You know, there, there's about, you go on Word, there's about, 50,000 fonts on there. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure you can find one you like that's clear and accessible. Yeah. So you can do that yourself. You don't have to pay someone to do yeah. fancy signage or for you. Or train your staff to train actually staff. just say, hi, I'm going to be your waitress. Is, can I assist you in any way? Exactly. That, that doesn't cost anything. No. And it's, they might say, no, I'm fine. But or, or they might say, well, actually, yeah, could you please read this to me? Yeah. Or are you able to provide X, Y, and Z? You know, it doesn't have to be hard work. Or even, you know, I, I urge retailers to get involved with Purple Tuesday, you know, oh, which Purple has just Tuesday's been on you know, thing, yes. um, and, and, and make a commitment to to improve, yeah. um, you know, how you deliver your, your service your, to yeah. disabled people. Sign up to that. Yeah. That doesn't cost anything. No, it doesn't. But I, I must admit that there are, a lot of businesses from experience and lots of brands that actually are going out of their way to be accessible, not, not just on Purple Tuesday, but all through the year. I mean, uh, uh, just through taking Emily out shopping, there are a lot of places who get it, who don't talk down to her, who do have access, who will do things to make it feel more comfortable. So um, I just wanted to get that out there. That there are a lot of companies cross country to do it, but I think you're right. They need to work more. I think not only with people like you, Simon, and with you, Sam, both of your 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 fantastic both ways that you engage, but also need to work more with parents as well. I mean, as parents, we do get fed up of just moaning all the time 
get stereotyped as just constantly moaning on Twitter or, or, or Facebook or on social media, but because it comes to the point eventually where people, some people just don't listen. And I think we all need to carry around a Simon and a Sam with us. If that's okay with you two, if you're not doing anything well, for I'm the only, next I'm 365 <laughs> days. I'm only small, so... Like, uh, you're only small. I don't take up much space. So. <laughs> don't you? No, no. Pocket size. Okay, no, I've got a pocket size Simon and a pocket size Sam. Okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, as we're saying, it's not just the children that feel left out. It's, it's the parents and carers feel the effect also watching other families shop and play. I mean, Simon, as a dad, what could make the parents feel more at ease rather than just complaining, complaining, complaining? Um, just think, just need someone that's going to listen to you. Do you know what I mean? When we were separate from shopping and things like that. Just like experience of going through cams and stuff like that, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just like everything. Everything's hard work. Yeah. You know, and and even like we said, people are trying. And in, in my experience, I generally engage with people that that are giving it a good go. Yeah. But um, but even then, they 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 kind of think they've they've ticked a box, and then they kind of. So a good example is um uh, a theme park, a famous theme park. I won't mention them, um, but. They they have a policy where you can um, you can get in touch with them and uh, avoid the queuing. So they give you a, a a card when you get there, and and that's great for my daughter because you know you don't have to stand in for two hours waiting to get on a roller coaster or whatever. Yeah. But you have to queue for about forty five minutes to collect it. <laughs> the so irony. Why, 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 the ironies of, of so parent care life. Why can't so you just print that off at home? Oh, exactly. No, so yeah. what, why can't they email it to you? If you've this. provided the 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 war and peace size yeah, documents yeah, 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 yeah. that they want you to, to yep. share with them before they'll issue of this card. Why, why can't they just, you know, they'll email you your tickets, which you can print off at home and show them. But why, why, why do you have to then queue to get the thing that stops you queuing? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And that's why I said it. It's always interesting. Like, like variety suggests you take all this stuff with you. And it's, it's like, we also need to take a caravan of things with us to these places, even though they've got good intent just to prove we do this, prove we do you that. You know, legally, you're not, you're not obliged to answer any questions about your disability or have any form of documents. You know, legally, you're not, you're not obliged to do that. Do that, and, I didn't know. And actually, someone, someone cannot actually, so if you're on a service, you, you're only allowed to ask one question, mm. like, is, is this a service dog? And then after that one question, you, you're not allowed to probe any more about someone's, impairment so i find this quite farcical that you have to do this that you we're not you, there's no way to be registered as disabled no there isn't a, a, a list yeah like you know so so actually it's 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 ironic how society then badges us for using their facilities when actually everywhere should just be accessible so we don't have to carry a letter for of dla because what if you don't receive dla Exactly. Not everyone so, does receive DLA. So you, you a uh, recent um, uh, International Day of Disabled People event um, the other day with um, the Progress Project. You met our, our five volunteers. Oh, they were great. Absolutely. Amazing, Brilliant. amazing kids with um, with autism or, or mild learning difficulties. And um, and as a reward for their their work throughout the year shaping the event that we hosted, we were going to take them to a to a, a, a venue in London, um, and we'd uh, agreed a date and meet up times and everything like that. And uh, I'd kind of had a brief look at their website and, uh, and thought, yep, yeah, that's all good. And then uh, the day before I looked at it a little bit more forensically and they can only accommodate three wheelchair users per hour. It's a large, large venue. Um, so 
and we had three wheelchair users. So I rung them up and I said, look, what, what, what's the, you know, is this okay? Can, can we come? Yeah. And they were like, well, um, one can come at one o'clock. <laughs> one can come at two o'clock. One can come at three o'clock. And I was like, okay, then we, we won't be coming. Right, cheers. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So, and I, you know, if th- there's all sorts of health and safety, you know, but but three per hour. Yeah. You know, when when probably hundreds of, of non-disabled people per hour. Yeah, know. even that, even that excuse of being, you know, health and safety. I've been told that I'm a fire risk. I've been turned away from a bar because it's overcrowded and you know this is me speaking as an adult i don't know we are talking about children but your children will turn into teenagers they will and, turn you into young adults. and young adults um but you know I, I just think so are you going to monitor how much people are drinking because surely if you drink too much you might then become violent or clumsy or trip over and aren't you then a fire fire hazard yeah. you know so again these 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 really silly excuses around Disability. I mean, you could have a cinema where all the chairs could potentially fold down and you turn into a wheelchair space, like a wheelchair accessible vehicle, you know? So it's it's not out of this, um, uh, you know, kind of dimension to be able to, to yeah. accommodate. No, you're you right. Know? I think it comes down to, to the human psyche. And I, I think what, what we've actually realised from all this is a fact that, or what anyone can take away from listening to this is, is that you have to be... Be proactive when you're planning. There are certain things that you possibly should have to take with you that in an ideal world you wouldn't, but it's also engaging with businesses and brands, suggestions, things like that, rather than arguing. But in an ideal world, obviously, as you said, Sam, everywhere would be would have a ramp by law. Things would be in place by law. So that uh, sad to say, the three. It's a sad thing to say, but but that would mean the three of us would be unemployed. Exactly, but <laughs> not that, a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I don't want my mum seeing what I got up to when I was a teenager. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, you need to get your books published. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, are, are there any more final thoughts on access that either of you have that people you can give to people to suggest if they're taking their child out of it? Any just any little snippets or little bits of advice other than what we mentioned? Um, there's a company that I'm working for, uh, Access Able, which are really great. So they're a, a huge database. Um, for if you're wanting to to travel to to a number of cities, you can type in places. So, for example, they'll give reviews, but they won't just give a review. They would they will give a review to the to the minute detail of Brilliant. what access. So photos. Uh, they've thought of uh, you know every disability. Uh, you know, not just covering physical disabilities. So they're really good, and that's just an app that you can download on your on your phone. That's accessible. Um, so they're fantastic, um, and that can, as a parent, you know, put your mind at ease. Yes. Um, and I also think, you know, larger chains. So if you're going out and about, toileting's a, a big issue for me. Um, larger chains are n- will always have an accessible bathroom. So look out for you know. I don't know if I can mention it, like your Pizza Huts or your McDonald's, you know. Look out for these places because they are normally extremely great at offering. Uh, you can just pop in. Don't feel obliged to buy to buy a burger or something. They're normally really great for you to use their facilities. And so, you know, don't don't be worried to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. So just be just be bold and be like, look, can I use you? Can I use your loo? Yeah. Um, well, it is, a, it is a basic human right, regardless <laughs> of all abilities, isn't it? No, thank you. Sam. What about you, Simon? Any last little snippets of advice? Uh, just just uh, if you're a business or, or a, 
theme park or whatever, just get, give it some thought. You know, give it some thought, have some some empathy and some understanding. Understand that you know, again, even if you you don't really care as such, there's there's potential to to make some money. By, by, yeah, we yeah. are, by, are money-driven you know, money society, no, aren't we? Even if we, you're we a horrible are. person, yeah. you can still squeeze some money out of it, it us. Sound, <laughs> it, sounds mer- it is mercenary, but, you know, you, you'd, you'd want people to care. I mean, I'll, I'll leave you with um, with a, a crazy example of, of, a, of an access. So St Paul's Cathedral is currently having a ramp installed via the um, Cannons Alley entrance, and... Um, which is fantastic, you know, St Paul's. They they do have access already. They do. You've got a buzz for someone, yeah, don't there, you? There's a there's a lift which they've managed to install, and um, they have a, a portable ramp at the moment. Mm. Um, but they are in, installing a, a permanent ramp, which is wonderful. But if I tell you that discussion about that started forty years ago, <laughs> in forty 19, years in nineteen seventy nine, and it's taken them forty years to get to the point where they're installing a ramp. So then you've got obviously English heritage involved, things like that. Does the stone match? You know, will the lighting, um, will will the ramp impact on on people's ability to take a nice photograph? Oh, we're all very oh, British, aren't we? Aesthetics. You know, is it aesthetically? Will it? And and they've come up with something really nice. But to get to this point, it's taken forty years. I mean, the fact is, we've got an aging population. The disability community are the fastest growing minority. Yep. So, whether society likes it or not, whether society thinks disability is pretty enough or, or, or too ugly to change, we're going to have to start to change because we're going to have a, a lot of people needing to use these facilities, and it's going to really shake up society a little bit, like the 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 uh, you know kind of climate change issue. It, they're going to be leaving it way too late, and then we're going to be like, oh my goodness what do we do now exactly so you might as well start now yeah it's like british <laughs> culture to stick a plaster on it after, after after you've opened the yeah. wound up but no i just want to say thank you both so much it's been a great debate i'm sure we could go on for several hours obviously I but to, yeah i can't <laughs> oh, no, i know i do oh, actually no. need to go f- to the toilet so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. speaking of toilets <laughs> exactly. have you got your camp bed have you got your ramp exactly can you prove you're disabled? Anyway, but yeah, guys, I hope you found plenty to think about in there, plenty of little tips. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podability, brought to you by Variety of the Children's Charity. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Variety Podability, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the series. 